Inside every one of us, deep in the soul, are the dreams we have for ourselves. Dreams of what might be, of what we might become, and how we might change the world by changing ourselves. You can achieve whatever you can dream. All it takes is a plan and the right teacher. Welcome to Success Left a Clue, the inspiring podcast from Robert Raymond Riopelle, who has traveled the world for over 15 years, unlocking the dreams we all have. And now, here's Robert. Welcome, everybody. This is Robert Raymond Riopelle with Success Left a Clue, episode number eight. And today is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal day. As I mentioned on the last podcast, I wanted to do this as my very first interview. And so, number one, that's going to happen. We have an amazing interview for you today. And number two, I'd been dreaming and putting in my wish list that if I was going to do an interview, who would I want to have on that list? And this gentleman came to number one, top of my mind. And so I set about making that a reality And guess what? It is. Today, I was able to get the gentleman I wanted as my first interview to do it. And so I'm really excited to bring him to you today. I want to make sure that you're like sitting down, strapped in, ready to go for a ride. Because I've decided to hit him with some of his best work to get his clarification, to get his insights on some of the greatest knowledge that I've gleaned from him listening to his podcast, listening to him in person, and being mentored by him. So that's what this episode is going to be about. He is the founder of Today's Growth Consultant, a company that has been featured multiple times on Inc. 5000. His clients include companies like Harris Casino, McDonald's, GM, Chevy, and Cadillac, just to name a few. He's also a best-selling author, as well as an amazing speaker, presenter, He's a family man. You know, you name it, that's who he is. And I feel blessed to have him on the episode today. So this gentleman, Mr. Ken Courtright, is going to be with us to be able to take you on the journey of how to really explode your business with his nuggets of gold. So again, here on Success Left a Clue, sit down, buckle in, and get ready for this amazing interview with the one and only Ken Courtright. So, Ken, welcome to Success Left a Clue. You know, I'm really excited to have you as the first person I actually interview because, you know, most of what I've been doing and why I'm podcasting now is from listening to your podcast. And so welcome, and I appreciate you coming on to the show. Where are you right now doing this uh, recording? I'm sitting in Manuka, Illinois, staring out my back window. My office is in my my home, and uh, we live on a nice little ski lake. And uh, so I'm looking at uh, an empty lake, which is kind of sad because it's a weekday and usually my family's the only one out there on the beach playing around because everybody else is working. So, uh, But nobody's on the lake today. It's about 62. It's a beautiful, beautiful fall day. And uh, this morning they were barefooting out there, which was kind of cool. But uh, for right now, it's just little old me. Oh, well, you know, and and that's why I totally appreciate the time because you understand the concept that when you create success in your life, it allows you to have the time and the freedom to do things most people could only dream of. So, you know, the fact that you're taking your time to be with us, that means a lot. And on my other podcast, the first ones I've led up to this this is podcast number eight. I end up talking about 
you and your podcast a lot because you have been an absolute inspiration. And what I was thinking about with this interview is just let's get into it. When we talk about success leaving clues all over the place, I wanted to kind of jump into some of your podcasts and get your quick little interpretations of them of why it's important to not try and reinvent that wheel. So are you good with that? Oh, perfect. Excellent. Well, let's start with, and I'm going to go by episode number and by the title, and just give me your thoughts right off the top of your head. So episode number 15, it's titled Copycats Win Big. What do you mean by that? Um, well, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good starting point because uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, usually you kind of wake up with an idea. You've got a, a vision. You, you kind of have an internal direction. Uh, but the reality is the rubber does meet the road at some point, and you have to uh, you have to begin. You have to sell something. You have to create something. You have to market something. You have to have, you know, uh, customer service and accounting department. And most small business owners, they start off, it's just them, right? There's a very famous book called E-Myth by Michael Gerber that talks about how do you take a, a fledgling company that's a one-person shop that wants to be a 100-person, then 10,000-person company, how exactly do they get there? And so it does a great job of mapping things out. But Copycats Win Big as a title of one of the uh, one of the episodes on today's Growth Growing Business Today podcast is all about what are called digital footprints, meaning is there something already in front of you that you can copy? Uh, and, and copying is, is the number one way to flatter somebody. So let's look at Burger King, for example. Burger King's uh, complete demographic division from the late 70s to the early 90s was find out where McDonald's is and move right next door. McDonald's did all the homework. They did all the surveys. They paid uh, the under-the-table fees to get bigger signs on that road. Um, I mean, they did all the homework. The traffic counts are obviously supporting McDonald's. They usually pick a uh, what's called an intersection because they want two streets visibility. And then Burger King just says, you know what? It's obviously working. Let's move right next door. So they literally just copy McDonald's. Well, if you look in history, whether it's FedEx copying UPS in the U.S. Post Office, uh, whether it's Ford copying Chevy, then Chevy copying Buick, and then Buick copying Ford, um, you know, every major car manufacturer, every one of them, buys a car from every other manufacturer and completely tears it apart so they can copy what's working. And so we've been teaching since 1992 that one of the greatest and fastest ways to win big is to find something already working and copy it. Copy it. And on the internet, we call that a digital footprint. So if we're going to build a big website, we want to find something even bigger than that. And then we reverse engineer it, tear it apart, you know, how many links are pointing to it? How many pieces of content? How often do they write each week? And we just copy it. If we increase the pace by 50%, we will eventually pass that website. Same with marketing a regular business. So bottom line is copycats do win big. It's a, it's a great model. Yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted to start with what, that one because, you know, I just finished teaching an amazing five-day training where I teach trainers how to follow a system. And from my experience, I've the biggest issue I see is the ones that go out there and try to figure it out on their own. I like the system, but I'll reinvent it. I'll make it better. And by making it better, they struggle. So has that been your kind of experience as well when people try to reinvent the wheel? 100%. Yeah, we, we, it's uh, not that it's taboo because we do want to spur new ideas. 
Um, but we usually reserve, you know, 10 to 20% of the week or 10 to 20% of the month for what we call R&D, research and development. Most of our time is spent doing what we know works, continually copying ourselves and others. It's just, it's the fastest, least expensive way to grow. Perfect. And that's exactly why I wanted to start with that. Let's go to one of the ones that is one of my favorite episodes. You know, episode number one, when you talk about S-curves, I just want people to go to your podcast and listen to that one because that one takes a whole episode to really understand it. So I'm going to stay away from that one on purpose. I'm going to go to another one of my favorite episodes, episode number four, Trust Trumps All. So what do you mean by that? Uh, so the concept there is that uh, I'll say in the old days leading up to the internet, um, you, you could make a case that you got paid, uh, of course, in direct uh, proportion to the true value of your service, right? But you could also make the case that the higher your, uh, your degree, the more money you make. And that is still technically true today. However, with the internet, uh, since Al invented it in 1995, there has been a complete shift. And yes, that was supposed to be funny. There is <laughs> a complete shift from going from people doing business with people that they know, then they like, and then they trust them to do business. And there's, there's a complete shift because the internet forces people to have to trust first to take the time to know to then like, to then trust. And what I mean is this. Let's just say you're about to go buy a new car or a big piece of furniture, a $6,000 dining room table or a armoire, something like that. The odds of someone buying that vehicle or that $6,000 piece of furniture without going to get social proof and checking reviews of the store, of the product line, is there any defects, are there any recalls, um, Carfax, uh, it's close to zero. I mean, most people today that make major decisions are, de- are basing their decisions in part on trust. And the reason is this. The desire for gain is far, far outstripped by the desire for preservation. Meaning, people have a pile of money. They've, they've earned it. They've built it up. Their desire to lose a piece of that pile to gain a piece of furniture or a car is dwarfed by their desire to preserve what they have. So to, to do business today, we have to understand if we're going to go sell something, like if we're going to be a coach or if we're going to have products and services and we're going to be in the marketplace, you have to understand the minute you open your mouth, people are going to Google you as a person and they're going to Google your company name and you better come up with the trust signals that are necessary, which is you better be on Twitter, you better be on Facebook, you better have a LinkedIn profile. Your company better dominate its name in eight to 10 of the first positions of Google, or quite frankly, you're just not going to look that trustworthy. And the cost to, to dominate those places is free. They're, they're free platforms. You just got to fill out a profile page. Um, so it doesn't take much effort and certainly doesn't cost any money. But, you know, we just live in an untrustworthy society. And right now, trust trumps everything. That's the key. It's, it's, it's not an option. Excellent. And I totally agree with that. You know, technology changes so much for people, and that's true. So, and that's what I love about your digital footprint um, two-day program is that it allows people to learn about how to make sure they are in those places without having to spend a ton of money to do it. So thank you for that. 
Now let's go on to the next one. Let's go to episode number five, Lightning Fast Growth. So everybody that listens to this podcast, they want to know how to get bigger. They want to know how to get better. They want to be able to get that cash flow going. So how can they do that? Yeah, Lightning Fast Growth is the, – the concept is uh, – I used to I used to have a, um, a meeting where I said, okay, guys, you know, somebody's holding a gun to our child's head. Uh, we have one choice of how to grow. How are we going to market this company? How are we going to grow the fastest? And the fastest growth modules that I've ever put in place or seen uh, produce – have something to do with a large endorsement. So I'll give you an example. There's a doctor out there, Dr. Mercola or a Dr. Oz, or you take Oprah Winfrey when she was uh, interviewing people. If you could get your book in the Oprah Winfrey Book Club and she endorsed it, it's, it's an international bestseller. If you could get your product recommended on Dr. Oz or doctors or, or Dr. Mercola's 2.8 million email list, it's an international bestseller. So the bottom line is, if you take even a TV commercial, if you're on the Super Bowl, the, the Super Bowl, ABC, right? That station took your $3.4 million, and in essence, they endorsed your product in front of 130 million eyeballs. So endorsements simply mean this. Somebody's reviewed you as a person. Somebody's reviewed your product, whether you paid for it or not, and they put your product with their stamp in front of their audience. They own the audience, right? An email list, a TV show, a radio commercial. Somebody owns that audience. And you then put your item in front of that mass audience. You can do this. Let's say you don't have a big budget. How do you get endorsements? Well, you can start on small podcasts. There's a lot of small podcasts. You can give the podcast person 50 bucks. They'll read a little commercial of your product. You are going to sell products on that podcast, no question. So you can definitely start small, but I we, we coach everybody we know, start getting into the world of endorsements because that is the biggest leverage you'll ever find. And you just work your way up slowly. And again, you know, if you want the details, I got a 20, 25 minute podcast uh, in iTunes on it's called Lightning Fast Growth for, for more details. Nice. Perfect. So let's jump a few of the um, episodes and let's go up to number 10. Throw one ball to explode sales. Yeah, so this is another interesting one. This is called psychology of selling. This is a Brian Tracyism. Um, most people, uh, especially what I call uh, younger uh, business owners, younger salespeople, um, not as much the seasoned veterans, um, they read a lot of the old sales books that talk about enthusiasm sells. And to a degree, it does. I believe in Brian Tracy's definition of sales is a transference of feelings and emotion is what transfers in conviction. Uh, but at the same time, we live in a digital society and the fast talking, and I mean on just pure enthusiasm, pure excitement, the people that are talking really fast, um, they have a tendency to throw two, three, four tennis balls at a time. As an example, when you snap, and a snap is defined by who you are, what you do, and what you're looking for. So someone's snap might be, my name is Mary, I own a flower shop, and I'm looking for more customers, right? Or yours could be, my name is John, I'm a life coach, I'm looking to pick up five clients a month. That's your snap, that's your elevator pitch. 
I have been in conferences. I've been at wedding receptions with tables of eight and 10 people. And I've heard people do their elevator pitch and they've said their name, their business, how long they've been in business and what they're looking for in, in like eight seconds. And people, by the time they're talking about, oh, I'm in insurance, I've been doing it for 40 years, I sell that, the, the person listening, they can't even remember the person's name. And they're trying to process and think at the same time of what this person is saying, what they're trying to say. And the bottom line is I want you to picture moving forward that when someone speaks their name, that's the first tennis ball. Then when they say what they do, that's the second tennis ball. And then when they say what they're looking for and what their goal in life is, that's the third or fourth tennis ball. Well, as important as this is in in verbiage, meaning speaking it to a stranger at a wedding reception, it's even more critical on a website. So I want you to picture your website, your marketing materials. The proof has been out for about three years. If you go to any major magazine, any newspaper, it doesn't matter, open any website, um, you're going to notice paragraph of content, paragraph of content, picture. Paragraph of content, paragraph of, pa- of content, um, quote. Paragraph, paragraph, uh, another nice cute picture or an advertisement. So the bottom line is, in the old days, if you would open a website, say, 15 years ago, you might go to Forbes and it would be 25 paragraphs in a row of content. You'll never see that again. The, The studies are out. People need to hear things and they need to think on that. But then they need to process those couple paragraphs and you allow them the ability to process by putting up a cute picture or an advertisement or a, a quote. And so we, we, there's so much data out there that we now teach the people, you just got to slow down. You've got you to slow down your voice, tone the enthusiasm down, tone it down on your websites, tone it down in your marketing materials. Don't ask for the order on every newsletter. You know, only one out of seven times should you statistically drop a, 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 a sale or a discount. You need to just add value uh, and then ask for the order once in a while. That's, that's considered a tennis ball. Uh, so yeah, throw, throw one tennis ball to, ex, to, uh, to excel is, is a great podcast. That is a great nugget of gold right there. And that's, I teach people that when you go into a training, don't try to get everything because you're going to get overwhelmed. If you think you have to get it all, understand it all, use it all. And so that goes right in line with saying, go in, look for one or two gems that you know if you utilize those, you can take your life to another level. And I see that tying right into with throwing that one ball. So appreciate that. Let's do another jump to one of another one of my favorite ones, because this is something that you and I have in common, that unfortunately, what I notice is a lot of people don't see the importance of this, or they don't believe in the importance of it. But your episode number 28, Success Wheel, would you touch on that and why it's important? Sure. Yeah, the success wheel is, is something I, I put out uh, by pure accident. Matter of fact, it was Adam Markell from uh, New Peaks that found out I was at an event and uh, that our plane got canceled, so we had to spend the night back at the same hotel. And he said, hey, do you mind jumping back on stage tomorrow? Uh, and I said, no, I don't have anything prepared, no thanks. And he's like, no, we, we just want to ask you a few questions. And so what, what it turned out to be is they were listening to my first presentation and they overheard me say that we had been in business for 23 years. We've had a couple ups and a couple downs, 
uh, but a, a fairly aggressive growth over two and a half decades, including hitting the Inc. 5000 list a few times. And Adam said, is it possible in 20 to 30 minutes that you could use that, that uh, sketchboard over there and, and big fat marker, and could you sketch out for us what were some of the critical decisions or things you did that you can directly correlate to your success? And so it took a minute, but I started kind of doodling on the, the flip chart, and I noticed I drew a little stick figure in the middle. I said, that's me. I said, the first thing I did when I started business at 22 is I was smart enough to realize there was so much I didn't know. And I was nervous. I had what's called FOMO, fear of missing out. I hated being in a conversation where I didn't understand what another business owner was talking about. So any time that uh, a salesperson or a marketing person or a, uh, a growth consultant came into town, I went to their conference. It could be Brian Tracy, it could be Tony Robbins, it could be anybody. I, I, I didn't care. I was a conference junkie. And so I drew a bucket, and in the bucket I wrote conferences, and at the bottom left of the piece of paper, I drew an arrow to that bucket. And I said, man, I drank from that bucket so aggressively for the first few years. But every time I went to a conference, somebody recommended an incredible book they were currently reading that was helping them grow. So I drew an arrow up and to the left. I drew another bucket, and I wrote the word books in there. And I began, and still to this day, I read a book a week, and I will till, till, till I pass on. So I'm a book fanatic, and the books do something that the conferences can't do. The books teach you at the pace in which you're ready. So I'll give you an example. I was mentored by a gentleman named Brad years ago, and Brad said, Ken, I want you to read how to win friends and influence. And I cut him off and I was so excited. I said, Brad, I'm so excited. I've already read that book. And he goes, Ken. Um, and he pointed to his chest. He said, mentor. And then he pointed to me and he goes, mentee. I wasn't even finished. That was a comma, not a period. He goes, listen very carefully. I want you to read how to win friends and influence people this coming January. And I want you to use a yellow highlighter. Then I want you to pick it up again next January, a year later, and I want you to use an orange highlighter. And when you think the time is right during the second read, I want you to call me. So I read it the first time with the yellow highlighter. I highlighted half the book. A year later, I pick it up again. I'm a good student. I got about a third of the way through the book. I called Brad. I said, Brad, this is amazing. This is your genius. He goes, okay, what'd you learn? I said, well, nothing, nothing that I highlighted the first time in yellow is sticking out to me again. And I'm highlighting so many new things in orange that are just crushing me right now. And he goes, so what's the point? I said, it's simple. When the student's ready, the teacher appears. And where when you go to a conference, that's great. But that person's only speaking to you one time in your lifetime. And you as a student, as a business owner, you're only ready to hear certain things they have to share. Where you're never going to hear that presentation again. Where a good book, especially the classics, you read it with a yellow highlighter, and it kicks your butt. Then you pick it up a year later, and you read it again with a different color highlighter, and it kicks your butt. And so I realized at a very early age, by the time I was 26, that I knew I was going to kick some fanny in business because I was going to be a great student of the best business minds out there. Uh, and so the books built inside of me what I call IP or intellectual property, just a fancy word for knowledge or wisdom. And as I started reading aggressively, people, and I drew, I drew a stick figure to the right of my stick figure representing me, and I wrote the word people above it, 
So I had IP in a bucket up top. I have people in a bucket to the right of me. And I started attracting a different type of person about two years into my, my fanatical reading. And I started doing a lot of business. So on the bottom right, I drew a bucket and I wrote B-I-Z for business. And I realized I had gone around the success wheel a couple times clockwise and the conferences led me to books. And the books led me to IP. And the IP allowed me to have much more intelligent conversations and I attracted a much bigger business owner than myself. And I started aggregating and attracting huge deals in business from big, big business owners that were 50 years and 30 years my superior in age and wisdom, uh, but they trusted that I really knew my niche. And so then a couple years went by and we had two years in a row of the same sales. And I was like, wow, I'm really flat. And I realized I hadn't gone to a conference in a couple years. So I got back on the success wheel. I jumped around, went through the circle again for a couple years and our business absolutely exploded. But then I got complacent again. And in the mid 2000s, I did not go to a conference for almost five years. And our sales again were flat. And I got back into the conferences. Now this time, instead of being in the audience, I'm typically the speaker, but even though I'm on the faculty and speaking at most of these events, whenever there's someone speaking, I'm in the audience as well, and I'm taking notes as aggressively as as I did when I was 22 years old. So the concept of the success wheel is this. Everybody has one. Everybody is learning from somewhere. Either you're learning from mentorship instead of books, or you're learning from conferences, or you're learning from Google Alerts. You're learning from somewhere right? And if you don't think you're learning from somewhere, oh yes, you're learning from the five people you're closest with, which is incredibly dangerous. So the point is this, everybody has a success wheel and you're going to hear a lot that you want to, you want to surround yourself with five people you want to become. And that's great. And you can ask, but the reality is the fastest way to surround yourself with five incredible people is to jump on a success wheel raise your IP in a four to six month period of time at a really fast rate in your niche topic and just start puking on people. Just start having conversations and people will turn and go, whoa, where did you come from? What have you been reading? How do you know all this? And you just live on Google alerts in your space. You live on uh, on the book summaries in your space. You live on the best business books of all time and, and have two to three key mentors in your life. And you will be on a success wheel and you will attract some of the biggest players in the world and your business will explode. It works 100% of the time. As a matter of fact, that is the title of my next book. Oh, and to all the listeners, I hope you are getting this. You know, and from my experience, I see trainers as an example who the moment they start hitting the stage, they think they're done. They don't need to learn anymore. And that's when they tank very, very quickly. So thank you for that, because that is a lesson. When you talk about success left a clue, learn, learn, learn. And so that's why I love the success wheel. And I hope all of you visualize the wheel he just drove there or drew there. Man. I'm vibrating right now, Ken. Thank you for that wisdom. No problem. <laughs> let's get, awesome. Let, let's get into a couple more. I'm going to jump now to episode number 41 because this, I think, relates so much to a lot of people that especially want to be successful and what happens in their life. And it's one of the things that maybe um, stops people. Episode 41 is called SNIOPT. Can you tell us what that actually stands for? Sure. SNIOPT uh, stands for susceptible to the negative influences 
of other people. And so the concept is, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we know when there's an opportunity in front of us. We know when we're listening to a, a presenter and they're presenting the exact product we need. And, and we know we should buy that app or that tool or that service for our company. But yet we call home and either talk to our spouse or one of our management or our mentor and they weren't at the presentation. They didn't listen to the information. And they're like, well, no, you know, you've got to weigh the cost versus the supposed benefit. And, you know, logically, they can't even possibly help you make that decision. They weren't there, right? So the, the challenge is this. Sometimes, as business owners and entrepreneurs, you've got to take a leap of faith and trust yourself. And I would say that, let's say you go to events or you go to conferences or you watch infomercials or this. Let's just say that three out of six things that you buy into, absolutely bomb. The stuff was absolute crap. You, you, I, I can't tell you how many infomercial DVDs and CD cassette series I bought in the late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. Uh, they're, they're still in the wrapper or they were, you, you hear five minutes, you're like, oh my God, this guy's terrible. You know, I don't know how many books I bought that are absolutely awful. But here's the deal. If 10 to 50% of what you buy into has a couple golden nuggets or golden gems in there, that are literally the fulcrum that tips your business forward, what in the world is that worth? Here, here's, here's the mm. reality. Here's the reality of SNIOPT. You have a 100% chance of not succeeding if you don't buy into the programs, right? So if you go to an event and they're selling something, well, of course they're going to sell something. That's what they do, right? So the, the reality is if you don't buy into the stuff, there's a 100% chance that you're not going to get the morsels. I can't even fathom where I'd be today if I didn't go to the Tony Robbins and the Brian Tracy stuffs in my early days, if I didn't fly to Vegas and mentor for, for two days under the president of the United States Sign Council when I was in the sign business for a little bit. I can't even fathom if it, I didn't buy into those two $3,000 programs in which I walked away with literally bags, physical backpacks, of books and tapes and CDs for me to study when I got home. And, and that is absolutely the seed materials that allowed our company to become an Inc. 5000 company now with 95 employees. There's no physical way I could have got here without the guidance and the mentorship from those books and those, and those cassettes and the people from stage. So I, I'm resilient. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever been sniapped in my life. I'm a little bit of a freak. I only need to see one person do something in which I can invoke a little bit of NLP and say, you know what, if that dude did it, I will find out what he studied, how hard he worked, what exactly did he do to get there. If he did it, I promise you not only can I do it, I can probably do it better because I can learn from him. So, uh, but I've built a thick skin over the years. And again, I've got bamboozled thousand times with books and CDs and stuff at seminars. Uh, but at the same time, I, I've gotten hundreds of massive victories because I have not allowed myself to be sniped. Oh, uh, you know, while you were explaining that, I've, I, again, I've got goosebumps and I'm visualizing when my wife and I first learned about personal development and started diving into it and became absolute, as you would say, freaks of just being there, seminar junkies. We were living in our RV and our bed 
picture this because it's dating you and I when you talked about tape sets, CD sets. The under, our bed would lift up, and underneath is a total storage place. And the whole thing under there was row after row of cassette tape audio programs that we would come away with those backpacks, bags full. And it's so true. People say, well, did you get into all of them? No, I didn't need to. The ones that really attracted, they were the ones that I dove into. And what was cool is because I had them, down the road all the time I go, oh, I want to learn this. Hey, I remember I actually have this program on it and I could go grab it. And and if we had listened to the people that were given that negative input, today we have more success than most people we know because we're willing to dive in. And that's why I love that. You know, if you are susceptible to the being sniped, man, it is a thick skin, but and it comes with practice. And I think you would agree with that. Is would oh. you? For sure, yeah, yeah. Oh, so let's wrap this up with episode number 48. This is the reason I just launched the podcast and got it going is because of this episode where it says, don't get good. What does that mean? Yeah, so don't get good. Uh, again, this could be a whole book. I, I'm, I may possibly someday write a 52 episode. And if anybody wants to steal this and beat me to it, feel free. Um but I may do a 52-chapter book, on, and the title of the book would be Don't Get Good, Comma, Get Done. And what it would be is 52 business stories of 52 business owners that started out in business. They had no plan. They had no money. They had no real specific direction. They just knew that they knew they were onto something, and they began. One of the biggest challenges in business is we want to get all our ducks in a row. We want to get our poop in a group. We want to get, you know, we want to wait for all the lights to turn green, all the cliches. And the reality is this. You are never going to get good, period, end of story. You're never going to get good. We're still butchering large websites that we're trying to build. We're still butchering hiring the wrong people sometimes. I mean, we, we're never going to get good but what we're really good at is setting dates, starting something without a plan, knowing we're going to build the plan on the way, and just getting done. I remember doing my first podcast. I had no idea. I had no script. I had no nothing. But I, here's what I said. I got a Yeti mic. I've got the ability to record. I, I put a few bullets together, and I went. And I knew if I could just do the first one, I could do a second. I could do a third, and now I've done, I don't know how many, way past 100. But the concept is this. Could I, I can't even fathom had I not started the podcast because now I found out the transcriptions of my podcast are at 240,000 words a year. So a, a good book is 80,000 words. So the transcriptions of my podcast are now going to allow me to kick out two to three legitimately really good books every single year because every podcast I put out is new material. So uh, don't get good, get done. I don't care what industry you're in. I guarantee you if you open up your to-do list, there are things you know in your heart you should start. And here's what I say. Pull up your pants, pull up your skirt, get done. Don't get good, get done. Be a big boy, be a big girl, and, and begin have faith on yourself, have faith in other people, and understand this. In 1926, a very famous person wrote a paragraph 
that started a very famous chapter in one of the top 10 business books of all time, and it goes like this. Isn't it amazing that a man with definiteness of purpose goes through life and watches how the world steps aside and then even comes beside him and helps him with his aim? So let me say it again. Napoleon Hill wrote, Isn't it amazing that a man with definiteness of purpose, not a business plan, a man with definiteness of purpose goes through life and watches how the world literally steps aside and says, huh, what are you doing? Oh, you've got that idea, you're going in that direction? And then they come beside him and help him with his aims. So don't get good, just get done. (laughs) And that says it right there. And as of today, as of you and I recording this, you're actually at 113 episodes. And I'll tell everybody, I'm going to let them know, they need to listen to your podcast. Ken Courtright, Today's Growth, Growing Business Today. It has helped me so much. It's allowed me to start the podcast. And I see you as an amazing mentor in my life. And I feel blessed today that I did get to meet you and really get started. So thank you for being on this episode with me. You have no idea how you're impacting my life. And there, from that, instead of just being the ripple effect, I teach students, instead of dropping a pebble and seeing the ripple effect happen, it's about throwing that boulder and creating a tsunami of change. And from just meeting you, it's helping me create that tsunami of change. And I want to thank you for taking the time to be that guest today and helping impact lives and being as phenomenal as you are. No problem. Rob, thanks for having me. It's awesome. And uh, uh, just uh, honored and blessed to be here. It's great stuff. Cool. So remember, go find Ken's um, podcast. Ken, if they want to really find you, where do they find you? Uh, well, the, the, yeah, the podcast in iTunes is, uh, you can either find it with Ken Courtright, like you went to court and you take a right, uh, or you can go to kencourtright.com, or you can go to digitalfootprint.net. Uh, that's our annual event. Uh, or, of course, you can find us at incomestore.com. Uh, that is where we're an Inc. 5000 company uh, helping people out. So, uh, yeah, you can find us anywhere. Excellent. So to wrap up this episode, everybody, remember, always live with passion, keep moving forward, keep growing, and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. You've been listening to Success Left a Clue with Robert Raymond Riopel, author of the soon-to-be-released book, Success Left a Clue. We hope today's inspiring message brings you closer to your dreams. To access program notes and helpful links, visit successleftaclue.com. Turn your dreams into reality. Please join us again for the next episode of Success Left a Clue.